Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a form of But that Why hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We We want want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. Thank you for listening to our show. Emma, how are you doing today? I hear we have a very spicy question, you say? Yes. Welcome back, everyone. We do have a very interesting question for Ask the Every Girl today that I'm really excited about. So yeah, let's just get right into it. So the question is, I've been dating this guy for two months now and I really like him, but I'm worried we're not sexually compatible. Sex feels Mm. awkward and passion is important to me is this a red flag and should I end it? Or is it something I should stick around for if everything else is great? More common than people admit. 100%. I think it's something that you don't talk about because we're very much used to thinking of it like sex has to be amazing. If it's not amazing, something's wrong. So I I love this question. This is a great one. I have so many questions that I wish I could ask this person because like why I want to know more details. Like, do they have totally opposite interest or styles and that's making it awkward or are they just not comfortable with each other yet? Cause that does matter. I would say that I, I absolutely do believe that sexual energy is so important, obviously in a relationship. Like it's such a key piece of the relationship. Like that sexual attraction is what separates you from being roommates and friends, you know? So <laughs> yeah, then obviously it sure matters, but I do think that like we were saying, expectations about sex can confuse so much. Like Like who is having sex that it's portrayed in movies where they're like breaking lamps and they're pushing Mm -hmm. stuff off of desks. Like that sounds like way too much mess and too much work for me. Like I don't want that. (laughs) So I think that we're taught, you know, like when we first meet at the beginning of a relationship, it's like the honeymoon stage. and, And that's when you're supposed to be having great sex and can't keep their hands off of each other. And like, so I, I'm curious how much of it is like, the pressure of sex should be amazing. And if it's not, then there's a problem. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely think that it's true for a lot of people that like when you first meet, that's when like the, the biggest spark is there. But as someone in a seven year relationship, I don't want to believe that I actually choose to believe the opposite. Like, I don't want to think that our best sex is behind us. I want to think that the longer we're together, the more connected we'll be and the, the more we can find passion, you know? So I just would be curious if this person is expecting it to be mind-blowing without giving it a chance to become, for them to become more connected to each other. And then, I don't know, one more thought. My last thought on this is I think that there are other things to look at to determine, is it compatibility at its core where it cannot be fixed? Because again, like sex should be something that does not feel 
mediocre. You know, it should be something that is your way of connecting. It's a key part of your well-being. So like you should feel fulfilled in your sex life. So in finding out, is it something that we can improve and work on? I do feel like there's a couple things. One being like, are you just attracted to them? And I don't mean that like you necessarily feel the need to like want to always have sex with them because that's like a spontaneous desire. And a lot of us as women, myself included, are a reactive desire where we're not like seeing someone and like wanting to rip their clothes off. It's, it's, so when I say attraction, it's more of just like that magnetic feeling. Like, do you want to be hugged by them when they're around? Do you want to hold hands with them? Like, do you just feel that kind of like physical connection that's even not sexual? Does he make you feel safe? Is he open to communication? Like if all of these elements are there, I believe that we create our dream relationship. You know, it doesn't just happen to us. And honestly, like sexual compatibility, I don't want to say it's one of the easier things, but there's a lot of people that you have no emotional connection to that you will find sexual compatibility in your life. I think the emotional connection is the hard part. So if you are feeling emotional connection and these elements are there where you feel safe and there's good communication and you feel attraction, I do believe that it can be improved on. I think that that feeling of safety, I know that like that doesn't, that does, that you know, it isn't always correlated with sexy. Like the last thing you think of when you think of good sex is like safety. But I think that the definition of good intimacy is being so safe and so connected that you can be completely inhibited in your pleasure. And like, that's the definition of what it is. So that's why I just wonder, is it more of a time thing? I think that sometimes it can be a slow burn and that's a good thing. And then you learn so much more and you're, you're communicating right off the bat more of what you like, what he likes, what you both want. And then you're setting yourself up for better sex than you would have had with like the really hot guy that you had immediate, easy intimacy with right away, if that makes sense. Like, I think it can be a slow burn. What are your thoughts, Emma? I'm not a sex expert. Like this is probably like the topic (laughs) I know I'm not good in, but I'm curious your thoughts, Emma. What do you think? Well, I I wouldn't say I'm a sex expert either, but I do want to second your point about communication and safety. I think those are both like really crucial things in a relationship that just will automatically impact your sex life. And if you don't feel like you're able to open up to this person about whether or not they're meeting your needs and whether or not you're meeting theirs, then like that's the core of the problem. And I think not only just having those conversations, but also like monitoring how those conversations go and like how responsive they are to you communicating what you want is important. And just like how you feel exiting that conversation, because like that's intimacy and that's going to impact physical intimacy. Yes. And I also love what you said about like our, this idea that like our best sex days are not behind us because I like it's reflected in like general life too. Like it's a total myth that the best sex you're having is in your 20s. I feel like that's a common misconception. That is like not true. true. There it has been proven that women have better sex when they've been with their partners for a long time, maybe possibly even after they've had kids. Like that our best sex days are not behind us. I would just like shrink that down into the relationship context that like 
your best sex days are not behind you in the first two months of a relationship. They're coming in the future. So yeah. Cause how sad would that be if that were true? Like how sad to be like, if like this is as good at, like, I think I actually have heard that advice from other people saying, if the sex isn't good right away, this is as good as it's going to get. I'm like, that's such a sad way to think that like, if you want to be like, ideally we're finding a partner that we want to spend a long time with, whether that's the rest of your life, whether that's a year or whatever it is. And this is as good as it's ever going to get. Like it's only downhill from here like that. That is so sad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. Anyways, I think there's a lot at the like relationship level to consider yes. for being like, we are just sexually incompatible point blank period. And then, okay, speaking of relationships, hard pivot. Yeah. Because I kind of have a question for you. Okay. Because Josie and I are obsessed with Barbie. We can't stop talking about it. Oh my God, Um, Emma. Yes. (laughs) What I am curious what you think of girls like bringing their boyfriends to see the movie as sort of like a test to see whether or not they're a good boyfriend, basically. What are your thoughts? First of all, ah, I'm like, scream. I'm so excited to talk about Barbie. I've been so annoying in meetings this week. Every single meeting, I have unintentionally found a way to bring up this damn movie. It has like taken over my brain. It has like cured my IBS and my chronic stress. Like it's curing things for me I did not know needed curing. So Emma, thank you so much for bringing this Mm -hmm. up. Well, it's a relationship related you know, it is. And it's like something that I've like a lot of people are talking about right now is for people who don't know, there's like this, not maybe phenomenon is a strong word, but like, I've seen so many articles and TikToks about how women are like bringing guys that they're dating to suss out red flags that they have, like depending on how they respond to the movie, if they're in the camp of like, you know, that was anti-man. If they're in the camp of, I don't get it. Like they're using this movie to suss out red flags. I think it's genius. I think it's a great <laughs> idea. And I have two reasons for, for believing this. Okay. First thing, I think it's not just about their understanding of the patriarchy, but I think it also shows their empathy. Like mm. I am able to love movies that are empowering other groups that I am not in. And I don't feel like it's a threat to me. You know, I think that many of us have the experience of seeing a movie, loving it, and it being aimed to empower a group that we are not in, and we still can love it. So if if a man that you're bringing to see this movie with you is not able to enjoy an objectively amazing movie because it is a, empowering another group that they don't count themselves in, that's on their empathy. That is like, that's a flaw in their empathy. And you want an empathetic partner who thinks of you. You know, like I I would want someone who is going through the movie thinking, wow, this must be so great to them. This must be validating their experience. Like, because how he's viewing the movie is how he'll probably go through a lot of things in life of, is this validating your experience or is it all about me? But on the other hand, I mean, I obviously like you want someone who's going to be empowering to women, period. Like that's of course what we all want. So I think that that's the obvious thing. But the other piece of this that I think is important to find out how your guy you're seeing, a guy in your life, whatever, your brother, I don't care how (laughs) they are viewing this movie is because I think it's showing a lot about their views on masculinity. Like when I saw this movie, I 
I actually thought about this because I've, I've dated guys in the past who I assumed were feminists. I would never date someone who, who I did not think believed in the equality of the genders, you know? So like, so I assumed that many men that I dated were feminists because they were good men and they didn't treat me like shit or say anything overly misogynistic. But thinking about it, like they totally would be in the camp where they would get defensive of this movie because mm-hmm. they're in defense of their own toxic masculinity in our culture. So I, I actually thought about that of like, it's, it's helping you define what really is their views on manhood. Watching this movie with my boyfriend was honestly like such a therapeutic experience for me, not to be so dramatic, but I've said this before that like, it made me no, like my boyfriend is such an Alan. Like he laughed at all the parts, making fun of the Kens, and he held my hand when I started crying at Gloria's speech. And and I think those little reactions are really telling too. By the way, like did he laugh at the things you found funny too? Because if he did, mm-hmm. then he gets it. You know what I mean? He's like in on the joke. And then you know after the movie, we dissected the power this movie has for women and all of that. So I think that it not only is showing what men view, how men view women and how men view power and feminism and like why the patriarchy is wrong for women. But I think it also really shows how they view the patriarchy for themselves. So I think, you know, long answer short, long answer long, honestly, I think that it's a great idea to take your spouses, your significant others, your men, let it open a conversation. I think it's it's mm-hmm. an amazing thing what it's able to do for our culture at this scale. So what do you yeah. think, Emma? Would you take a man to the Barbie movie? Like, would you? To test him? Yeah. I would hope that if I was dating a man that he would just be excited to go and would take me, honestly. <laughs> um, Amen to that. But to loop back to all of what you just said, yeah, I think it's a really important analysis of masculinity and the way that men react to traits that are traditionally considered feminine. And it came out at a really good time, actually. If anyone has not read the recent article in the Washington Post about the crisis of masculinity, you should go read it because it's basically saying Mm -hmm. there's like really only one like model of masculinity that men are like drawn to these days. And it is pretty aggressive and like pretty anti-woman. And wow, we have to have a conversation about how we can work towards creating a better model of masculinity. And that starts with things like the Barbie movie. It starts with culture. Like it's, it's not, that's not starting like, you're not just gonna, you know, go up to every man you see on the street and be like, what are what do you think about the crisis of masculinity? I wish. You're going to talk about the Barbie movie with them and it starts with culture. So I think it's really like a showcase of how important something that's just like a movie can really be to opening up a much broader conversation. So yeah, that's that's those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah, I don't, I mean, go for it. Bring your man to the Barbie movie, especially if you're seeing some red flags. Put him to the test. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I am also writing a red flags article sort of based on this. So just stay tuned on on The Every Girl. <laughs> I can't wait. So go check out more of Emma's thoughts on TheEveryGirl.com. Yeah. I think you said that so eloquently though of like, 
while a lot of people, and I've heard other podcasts and other, you know, news and talk shows and things talking about the movie and being like, people are looking too much into it. It's just a movie. But you said that so eloquently of these are big issues that are going on in our world now. This wasn't an issue 10 years ago. It's like, this is what's happening right now. And it's a normalized way to discuss it and to try to understand because it's normal for us to talk about pop culture. You know, we're going to talk about the latest huge movie that Margot Robbie's in. We're not going to talk about like, what are your thoughts on the, the toxic masculinity crisis going on in America? You know, so like it's, it's bringing such a huge issue into a realm that we will actually be discussing it with each other rather than yeah. like leaving it for the intellectuals. So I think yeah, you, yeah. you really, you nailed it. Oh, thanks. But yeah, I mean, we actually cover femininity and masculinity a little bit in this episode. Emma, you're so good. <laughs> you're like, let's let's move this intro along. Let's cut to the that was a great connection though, because you're right, we do. Thank you for that parallel. Yeah. Today, let's yeah, let's dive into it. This was so fun though. I, I'm so glad that you brought up the Barbie yeah. movie and I had my chance to shine we on to the topic that it. has taken over my brain. We had to talk about it. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode because it's a really interesting one. Like Emma said, if you are interested in this feminine energy versus masculine energy, like we definitely touch on this in, in this episode. Today we have on Ebony Banks, who is a spiritual healer. She's a Reiki master. Emma, I want to know what stood out to you about this episode. Like, what did you like about it? Because you're not a big spiritual girly like I am. So I'm I'm curious because after we got off this interview, you said like, that was really interesting. And yeah. I am not someone who's interested in spirituality. So I want to know like, which parts really stood out to you? What did you like? Well, my favorite part was the masculine versus feminine energy discussion that you had, because I think it's like, you get into the it in the episode, but like there are a lot of misconceptions about what that really means in our world today. So I loved that conversation. And then I think it was just it was just a great conversation that you had about your experience, like that you did a Claire Tangency session with her, correct? Yes. Yes. Which I did not know what that meant until talking to her. So she will explain what clear tendency is as well. Yeah. And I think, I feel like a lot of the problems that I have with like some of these spirituality things are that a lot of them are just like kind of really culturally appropriated, but this felt like so genuine Mm -hmm. and like you, it was able to be like much more of like an explainer and like an educational moment, which I loved. So I felt like I learned a lot and I would be interested in doing a Claire Tangency session Ooh. like that. It sounds cool. So yeah. It was really was cool. You guys will hear in the episode, but she, Ebony did do a reading for me and it was wild. She will explain Claire Tangency and what she does. <laughs> but um, so that's really interesting. But yeah, like we said, she also goes through all the different chakras. She talks about why you should look into your chakras if you're experiencing physical symptoms and how that relates. So it's really cool. And also she talks a lot about how to get to know your own intuition because basically we all have this intuitive ability and she really helps you get to know your own intuition. So whether you're big in the spiritual world or you're a little, you know, wary of it like Emma is, I think that there's something for everyone in this episode. So 
Let's dive right into it. You guys are going to love this one. Please welcome Ebony Banks to the Every Girl Podcast. It really is so weird to like see you now and be able to like see your face because I, I, your voice has been in my head for like weeks now, ever since we had our reading. So it's like so I funny to get that. to see your face. It's so nice to hear. I love that. We had such a powerful session. I'm glad we did that together. We did. And I can't wait to dive into everything. I have so many questions for you based off of that. But first to get started, I would love to hear your story. What what was your childhood like? Like just going back to the very beginning. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I, you know, have been, been aware that I'm intuitive since I was a child. But of course, I didn't know that word. I didn't know. I didn't understand myself. I didn't know how I knew things other people didn't know, you know. And um, as a child, I used to tell myself, oh, I'm just really smart. <laughs> That's how I rationalize it. And then there were other times I'd be like, oh, I'm bad because I know these things, because I shouldn't know these things that people are not telling me. So I was just confused and I didn't understand myself, you know. And then in adolescent, I thought it went away because I didn't have the same kinds of experiences. And I was talking to someone the other day and she was saying that um, she asked me if I might have ignored it, you know, if I like didn't want it to exist. And so I ignored it. And that's why I had, you know, the perception that it went away. But I honestly didn't have those same experiences. Not that I recall anyway. And then in my 20s, you know, it started to come back very strongly again. And it was like no denying what's happening. For people who don't know, what does intuitive mean? Like, what are those things that you knew? Yes. So I think about intuition in terms of it's divine guidance. You know, I think it's our most intelligent part of ourselves. I think every single human being on the planet is, you know, has intuition. But I think people who are considered intuitives are people like me who are very well aware of it, very much using it, you know, actively and as an ongoing part of my life, you know? But it's really just divine guidance that gives us information, information about how to navigate the world around us, you know, and that can be a relationship. It can be, you know, walking down the street. It can be getting to your life purpose or your goals or whatever makes you happy. You know, it's just, it's divine guidance via a lot of information. At what point did you start realizing, okay, I got to look into this and I got to use this to help other people? Well, first, I just really needed to understand myself. And I started to meet, you know, like-minded people who also experienced life similar to how I did. And so it really helped because, you know, I just always thought I was weird and nobody was going to ever understand. And so I just never talked to anyone about it, you know? And then the experiences I was having where they were just getting so strong, there was no way that I could deny that something else was happening. And I remember having a conversation with myself, like, are other people constantly receiving information? Like, or is this happening with everybody or is this just me, you know? <laughs> but it just got so, so strong that I couldn't deny it. And then probably, and it just kept growing, you know, from my 20s until now, like it just, it continues to expand. And does that mean like you literally will have a thought pop into your head or like, what does it actually look like and feel like? Yes. So it looks like so many things. I mean, oftentimes it's a feeling for me, you know, it's, it's what I feel in my body and what my body's intelligence is telling me, which we all have, but you know, I guess I just pay attention more than somebody else. It also shows up in like information, like I'll just something I'm not thinking of at all will literally 
come into my mind and it'll be really quiet and small. And then once I give it attention, you know, then I can understand it. Um, if I give it attention, because sometimes if I'm just working, you know, I might not always pay attention. And it can also show up in my mind's eye, you know, like if I'm talking to someone, if I'm out about and about in the world, it can show up in all these ways. Like I can get information about someone because, you know, I'll feel them or I will see something about them that shows up in my mind's eye or um, I'll just start receiving information about them. Like if I see a couple, you know, I can understand their relationship. (laughs) Wow, really? (laughs) Yes. Well, I do sessions remotely as well. And so with my remote sessions with clients, I use a teddy bear, you know, that is essentially their body. And I touch the teddy bear in the same places that I would touch their physical body if they were in front of me. And I get the same information the same way. And I know you said that everybody has intuition, right? Like, can you explain, you know, the difference of someone like you who can like really tap into it? How do you think that you've been able to tap into it? Like if anyone out there wants to connect more to their intuition, like what are the ways that you recommend? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I think about intuition in like essentially three levels, you know, like beginner, intermediate and advanced, you know, and at the beginner level, every single human being has experienced it. We have all had the feeling of butterflies in our belly or when we just know something and then in hindsight, we're like, I should have paid attention to that. Every single person has done that. And that is intuition, you know, and then at the intermediate level, I think about it as being people who are aware of it. They acknowledge it. They know that it exists and maybe they're using it at times, you know, but they're still kind of learning how to use it more powerfully in their lives. And then at the advanced level, I think of it as, you know, people like me who experience like clairtangent and other clear senses and, you know, all kinds of like spiritual people who are able to access information because that is literally all intuition is. It is the ability to access information, you know, um, that can guide you to like more happiness, bliss, more joy, whatever it is that you're wanting. I like thinking of it in those kind of like the beginner, intermediate and advanced, because I think a lot of people learn to distrust their intuition. You know, they learn to kind of suppress it or they don't believe it. And so I think that's a great example of like, it's like the butterflies in your stomach. I believe like the body talks to you so much. You know, the body will tell you this is great or this is not great. I mean, I, I even have started to notice too, like in certain instances, even if it's just like, a friend asking to do something and I don't really want to do it, I know my body starts to like tense, right? Like your body feels it. Even if my mind's like, oh, I should go, your body will start to tense up. I think you're like, that's one way that intuition really shows up for a lot of people. But those other instances, people are trained to second guess themselves. I think a lot in our culture, people are will have that immediate thought of like, this is right for me or this is not. And they second guess themselves. They're like, oh, well, maybe it's not because let me go make a pros and cons list. You know, like there's a lot of like that thinking and like people are just so in their their heads. Why do you think that is that people have learned to not be able to trust their own intuition or suppress it? I think because generally we don't acknowledge that we have a non-physical, like we're non-physical beings first, you know? We say it and we know it in theory and it sounds cool, but like to live it is another thing, you know? Mm. And so I think that's that trips people up. You know, the physical world is so seductive, you know, because of all these things we get to see and touch and taste and smell, you know. Um, But the dominant world is the non-physical world, you know, and because we can't see it, it's easy to ignore. 
I know you talk about that non-physical versus physical self a lot. And for people who like have no idea what you're talking about, like this is like a 101 to them. Can you define like, what does that mean? What is it like? Obviously physical self is our bodies and the world we can touch, feel, see, smell, all the things. What is the non-physical self? What does that mean? So the way I understand it, it's really just our everlasting part of us. You know, I don't believe in death. I think we transition, you know, I think we're all energy, energy beings and energy never dies. It just transitions from one realm of existence to another. And so, you know, I think that's what happens. That's how I understand life. So with that understanding, energy is non-physical, you know? And so like, there's nothing inside of my body making my mouth move and animating me. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how I understand non-physical. It's just the part of us that lives beyond the body. So it's basically like what people call the soul or like kind of like the, what's that work? Inner roommate. It's kind of like all those different names for it. That's just as what your non-physical self is, is like, which makes sense that there's, you know, like there's so much more to us than our physical selves, obviously. Like you're right. Where is all of the emotion and the thought? Like, where is that stemming from? Like, yes, we could go define it as all the different hormones and biochemicals. And, but like at the end of the day, what is the thing that's feeling? Like, what is the trigger for all of these physical elements. I know you mentioned that a lot of people, you know, don't go through their life. Like we can acknowledge, okay, there's a non-physical self, but they don't really go through their life with that awareness and like live, like they, they really feel it. How does someone go about their lives in a way that they're acknowledging and caring for their non-physical self? That is such a good question. I think initially it's just an awareness, right? Just Acknowledge it to yourself in your brain, become conscious of that fact, right? And then from there, you know, there are all kinds of practices you can do. Um, You know, meditation is always a really good one. And so it's really just kind of having that awareness because once you have that awareness, it shifts how you think about yourself and the world. Mm. And so it kind of grows and expands from there, you know? How does it shift how you feel about your physical sense of self? I mean, for me, it just... Because I trust it, you know, and I know that it it loves me like life is loving, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the, the stance that I have. And so it allows more like ease and joy because I don't worry as much. I have to trust things that I don't understand, you know, things that I may not even like because I know that there is an intelligence that exists, that is real, that is operating all of this, you know, and so... I just don't get like in the weeds about things. I kind of pay more attention to like the macro aspects of life and the fact that I am here and I'm a human being and I get to have this life in this body as opposed to like all those micro things that we focus on that make us so unhappy. You know, it's like, we, like we're breathing, we're alive. It's, it's incredible. So it changes, it changes your worldview. I totally see that you really put vocabulary to something I've been working on myself and and it's something you and I talked about in our reading too, and, and kind of like my connection to the spiritual self. And But I have noticed as soon as I kind of years ago started to do a little bit more work into, you know, like, I guess the best word is like my non-physical self and like really feeling connected to that. That's when I started to feel very different, exactly what you're talking about in first one being like my body. Like I, I still will have days where I'm like, oh, like I feel like I gained weight or I don't feel very good, like all those things. But my mind can immediately snap out of it because I'm like, that doesn't really matter. And I know that sounds so like, I don't want to 
negate anyone's experience. But when you realize that you're so much more than your body, that body stops being so important to you, how it looks to other people, you know? So like, that's one way that I've definitely seen this happening. I think also when it comes to like stress, like I, you know, I, I definitely have, and still continue to have little experiences where it's easy to get caught up with like, oh, this person said this thing, or like this drama at work or this gossip in our friend group, or, and you get so caught up in the little things, the more and more I practice this and kind of have the awareness that you're talking about of just like, really getting to know my non-physical self and being aware of my non-physical self, the more and more I automatically start thinking like, this doesn't really matter. Like at the end of the day, it's okay. Like like the little things that used to stress me out don't really stress me out anymore. You know, I might kind of get like, okay, got to get this done. But there's this overwhelming sense of like, there's more to this, you know, like that this does not really matter in the grand scheme of things. So like, is that what, what you're talking about? How it like affects your sense of, just like who you are and how you go about the world? Absolutely. You know, there's always more to everything. We have such a limited, you know, view of life, right? Based on Mm -hmm. our social conditioning, all the, you know, isms and titles and things. And so we're not even capable of understanding the full picture of our life, even though we think we are because we're living it. We have a little sliver. We're experiencing like a little sliver. And so you know, it reminds me of that. Like there is, this is only part of a whole (laughs) that I'm experiencing in this moment. And so let's not think that it's, you know, horrible or the end of the world, especially because I know, you know, that life is loving. And I just thought of something I can share for people to kind of tap into um, that part of themselves. And one thing I started to do years ago, and I was raised as a Christian, but I'm not religious, you know, but I do like prayer. And um, I learned to pray to myself, you know, like, I love I that. yes, you know, I acknowledged myself as a divine being because we all are. And this whole experience is, and, you know, I prayed to like my mind, my body, my soul, and my spirit. And I ask all those parts of me to like come into union so that I can be like my true full self. Oh, that is so good. I love that idea of like praying. I think that's something that in obviously a lot of world religions, people are very familiar with that idea, but praying to ourselves and kind of going through the different, like praying to my body, like I'm obsessed with that. I can't wait to try that. That's (laughs) probably so powerful because yeah, it's kind of like putting the power back in you, knowing that you have this divine, non-physical energy that has all this power that we historically have like put onto other kind of external beings when it comes to other, you know, world religions. And are there any other like little rituals or practices that you do that helps you stay connected to your non-physical self? I mean, I'm a yogi. And so yoga is big for me. You know, when I'm in Shavasana after a class, like I'm feeling all the things, right? And so (laughs) all the people who have done yoga can probably relate like that is your non-physical self that you're feeling after not just a yoga class, but after kind of any strenuous physical workout, when you actually sit back and relax and like get all the goodies from that, that's your non-physical self, you know, in those activities where we're engaging all of ourselves. And so we're activating that relationship, that exchange between physical and non-physical. 
I love that it's just like looking for it. Like it doesn't, you know, it's showing up for all of us. We all have experiences feeling our non-physical self. And a lot of times like that's a perfect example of after yoga, after a hard workout, when you feel that sense of like release and peace and like this amazing feeling after exercise that for a lot of people, it's like, oh, great. I feel awesome. On to the next thing. And it's just a matter of like stopping and being like, that's it. Like that's my non-physical self at work. I'm thinking of like other instances, like when, you know, you're like a thought that comes to mind is like when it's Christmas with my family and you have this like sense of like such amazing happiness, you know, like where you just feel so happy and you can't explain it. Like that's the non-physical self at work too. So to stop and acknowledge during those times, that's what that is. The more you do that, the more you kind of have that connection, you think. Like it's just about being consistent and, and acknowledging when that non-physical self is showing up. Yes. And trusting it because, you know, trusting it is how it expands. And we also experience that like after orgasm, you know, and that's why like- Yes, healthy, love that. You know, honest sex is like such a good way to experience it, you know? So yeah, it's just about trusting it. When you feel it, like know what it is, trust it. You don't have to do anything, but just feel it and enjoy it. And it will automatically start to increase in your life. I love that. Can you speak about the orgasm part more? Like how is it showing up post-orgasm? Oh my goodness. So, so many ways. So, I mean, during sex, it's a release. It's a surrender essentially, right? And so sex is a great way that allows us to surrender, which is why so many people are addicted to sex and like porn. What they're really addicted to, it's not the sex and the porn. It's the feeling of surrender that they're receiving while they're engaging in those activities or after orgasm, because it's like, it's just, you're allowing yourself to surrender. And so you can receive your non-physical self. It kind of makes me think of the, this is like such a nerdy thing. Like I'm going to go on a tangent here, but the word for orgasm in French is like le petit more, which is like the little death. And so it kind of makes me think about that. It's like a, it's a more spiritual thing than just like, I don't know how a lot of our current Uh, American culture, I think makes it out to be like, it's a very, it's like the concept of like, you're almost um, having like a little death. Like it's like your past self and you're moving into a new self. You know, that it's like every time you orgasm, you have that release of your past self or a a release of whatever you want to release, you know, and like looking at it that way, I think is so, so freaking cool. I know you said that word clear tangent, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, myself included, are like, what in the world is clear tangent? Can you talk about what that means? Yes. So I think of clear tangent as one of the lesser known players because most people are familiar with clairvoyance. And clairvoyant, you hear in movies, you know, every so often in a song, like you'll hear about it. And um, a lot of people put all things that are associated, all the different clairs under the clairvoyant like umbrella, but they're very different. And so the word clair, C-L-A-I-R, it just means clear. And then the ending is an indication of like the type of information that the person is receiving clearly. So clairvoyant is clear vision because voyant is vision. Clear tangent is clear touch. And so in my sessions, you know, it only happens when I'm touching someone or a teddy bear (laughs) and I'm channeling the person's energy. What else is there? So then there's clairsentient, which is clear feeling, you know, like if someone, you know, is feeling sad or heavy or whatever the case may be, you may feel that too. And a lot of empaths are clairsentient. They may just not use that word to describe themselves. Claircognizant is clear knowing, which is when you just automatically know something. You just know it for whatever reason. 
And then there's clear audience, which is clear hearing. You know, some people hear information and it doesn't, you don't hear it like you're hearing my voice right now. You hear it in the same way that you hear a thought, if that makes sense, right? And then some people are, um, they can smell information, which is like really blows me away, right? And that one is Claire Olfis, I believe. Wow. So yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole world. And the, the interesting thing to note about people who are clairtangent like myself is that we are also experiencing clairsentient and claircognizant at the same time. So in my sessions, all those things are happening at the same time. Whereas other people who are maybe clairvoyant or clairsentient, they don't also experience clairtangent or claircognizant. I hope that makes sense. So it's just different ways to receive this intuition. Absolutely. Yes, that's all it is. It's the advanced level use of intuition, you know, one of the many advanced level uses. So would you say that most people are one of the clairs and just have yet to tap into it? Or is that kind of just in the advanced? I definitely think everyone is it, but they just, but they're at the beginner level maybe. And so they don't know yet, you know, but I think it's impossible to not exhibit some sort of connection to your non-physical self in that way. It's just, you know, do you believe it's true? Because some people are like, oh, this is too woo-woo. It doesn't make sense. It's not real, right? When it absolutely is. And also, you know, are you doing things to actually expand that part of yourself? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and kind of going back to how I think people are trained to distrust, a lot of people probably have had the experience of one of these clairs, if not multiple, I'm now even just thinking of myself, like all the instances I've had of these, but it's just so easy to suppress it. Like, oh, like that, that's just like a thought that came up. Like that doesn't mean anything or like, like, you know, like you distrust yourself, you know, you don't trust that inner knowing. So I think it's going back to believing, knowing, kind of trusting that download is a download instead of like, oh, that's just a thought, like whatever that'll pass. I think playing around with all of those probably are interesting. I don't understand the scent one as much, but that sounds like <laughs> a wild one. You know, like, like kind of tapping into all of those. I think it's fascinating knowing how many there are because you're right when when people think of any Claire, like you think of clairvoyant and then you think of it as like a psychic who's like seeing ghosts. You know, like that's how most people think of clairvoyant with, when it's very different, right? It's just kind of a, a you're, you're visualizing, you're able to see something an intuition, a download. So I think working through and just like playing around with is probably a really fascinating practice for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, some people are going to be so naturally gifted that it will come to them easily and some people won't be. And so I suggest that, you know, you don't force it, you know, you want to find like what's true for you and what, you know, what speaks to you the most. Like don't try to be something because it sounds cool. Like just really see what works for you. And because I think about it, about, you know, with these levels, you know, you kind of have to go through the other stages and what intuition has taught me, which is so interesting is that the more authentic you are with yourself, the more your intuition shows up for you. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, so like if you are doing or something that doesn't make you happy, but you're acting like it does your intuition won't be able to support you in that area because you're not in your truth. Does that make sense? Yes. Like you're sending messages. And so, you know, accessing your intuition at any level, beginner, intermediate or advanced 
It really is about being and living in your truth because otherwise the information that you're seeking, the guidance that you're seeking, it doesn't know how to guide you because you're not in your truth. I love the word authentic for this. Like just thinking about it, like even when I'm making decisions, like, is this authentic for me for some reason that, because thinking about like, is this good for me or is this bad for me? Like, I think that good and bad, like gets very, I don't know, confusing and like, what really is good? What's bad? You know, how do you define that? So like always using that word authentic for me helps me to think like, is this my truth? I think it's also really interesting. Like you're explaining it in such like a very spiritual, powerful way, but honestly, we can explain this like it's been, you know, I, I had a self-love expert on the podcast before who was explaining it in a very different way, but I'm like, my mind's kind of blown right now because it was very similar of like, the more authentic you are as a person, the more you have an intuition to know what's right for you. And like, so you're going into the spiritual side of it, but it's showing up in so many different ways in life. So like whether people out there are like, this is woo-woo or whatever, it's showing up in a lot of ways, you know, and like we can connect the dots to so many things. So I just just had a little like connection there that I thought was so cool. <laughs> I love that. Moving into chakras or chakras, do you, are they pronounced chakra? I say chakra, but I think the appropriate way is chakra. <laughs> okay, but they can be yeah. pronounced both. Okay, can you explain first what chakras, chakras, what they are? I think that's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but people don't yeah. really understand what it means. So just explaining what chakras are and then walking us through the different chakras through the body. Sure. So they're essentially um, energy centers. And most people are familiar with the main seven that correlate with the colors of the rainbow, but they're all over our bodies. You know, it's not just those seven, you know, we have hundreds of them. And so they represent different parts of our life. And the way I understand them from my, my clear tangent sessions, you know, they hold so much information about where we need to be um, to love ourselves more, where we need to heal, you know, where we need to expand, grow, evolve, all the things. I mean, your chakras are so powerful. And so there's the root chakra, which is at the base of the spine. And that's the first chakra. And the second one is the sacral chakra, which is, um, you know, in a woman's womb area, like right in that, right below the belly button for a man. And then there's the solar plexus, which is the third chakra, which is right above the belly button. I guess I should tell you what they relate to too. So starting with the root chakra, the way I understand it, you know, you may read differently other places, but from my readings, what I get from clients in that place are, um, it's like our foundation, you know, how we were raised, socialized, you know, belief systems, those kinds of things. And then um, the sacral chakra is our sex life and creativity. The solar plexus is really strongly connected to intuition, but it's, you know, yeah, I guess I'll just leave it there. Like, but you can feel intuition anywhere in your body. The fourth chakra is the heart chakra. And it's, you know, all about love, how we love ourselves and other people. And then there's the fifth chakra, which is the throat chakra and about communication, all styles of communication, not just verbal. And then there's the sixth chakra, which is the third eye, which is all about perceiving the world beyond our physical world, right? And then there's the crown chakra at the top of the head, which is all about like connecting to the vast world of non-physical supports that exist, like our loving ancestors, energies from Mercury retrogrades and full and new moons and all the other planetary transits, as well as like, you know, angels and the entirety of the non-physical world. 
Do you believe that they also relate to physical symptoms? I know that sometimes endometriosis or PCOS being connected to the sacral chakra or consistent headaches can be related to, you know, the third eye chakra being out of balance. Like, do you believe any of that? Totally. And it's so funny you're bringing this up because I had a client recently and her womb, there was lots going on in her womb area and she had fibroids and just lots of stuff going on there. And it was absolutely connected to like how she manages her divine feminine energy, you know? And so, and I also was talking to someone recently who um, has ADHD and, you know, I was sharing that focusing on the third eye is really helpful for that because ADHD people that are termed, you know, ADHD, they're really just extremely sensitive to energy overall, which is why their mm-hmm. attention is constantly pivoting because they're always getting, they're like highly receptive. And so I, I suggested that, you know, this person use their third eye to kind of focus on filtering some of that energy, you know, and making the energy more useful to them. So when you say like, you know, work on your third eye or feminine energy, like what does that mean to work on it? What are those things people can do? Yes, that's a very good question. So um, for me, it really looks like, you know, crystal therapy is a great way. But if you're not into crystals, you can just meditate, you know? And again, having that awareness, you know, like just bringing your thoughts to the middle of your brain. That is helpful because you're saying, hi, I know you're there and I'm not ignoring you. You know, thank you for being here, right? Um, And doing the same thing with, you asked about divine energy, divine feminine energy. I mean, I guess with that, that's a little bit different because it's really about acknowledging your power, you know, acknowledging your power as as a a female, as um, someone who identifies as a female, right? Like just acknowledging all the power that exists because we are life givers and we carry life in our wombs. That is incredibly powerful. You know, whether you've actually birthed a child or not, the fact that your body has the capacity to do that is incredibly divine, you know? Yeah. I think that that conversation about feminine energy is is becoming more and more really interesting because there's a lot of people who obviously like for a long time, we have suppressed the feminine energy because we live in a patriarchal society, right? So that comes with a lot of, you know, work really hard, work out really hard, be on all the time. Like it comes with a lot of that masculine, like go, 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 go. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of people now that are like, okay, I'm going to tap into my feminine energy and like let the man lead and quit my job and kind of going back into, but then that's also an expression of patriarchal society, you know? So I'm curious your thoughts, because I do feel like that topic of feminine energy is kind of going on. I see it on TikTok. People be like, I'm leaning into my feminine energy. So tell me what your thoughts are. What does it truly mean to be expressing your feminine energy? I mean, to me, I understand it as really owning all of the characteristics that are associated with, you know, femininity, because some of those characteristics are not truly feminine, right? But knowing what they are, first of all, like knowing what is truly feminine, because, and and not the superficial, you know, pop culture definition, and really expressing those things. And so I think of like 12 that come to mind characteristics, and it's really like, you know, nurturing, loving, being empathetic being patient, receptive, surrendering, you know, being radiant, being sensual. That's eight, I think. But those those are definitely like feminine qualities, you know? So it's not about like what you're doing. It's never about what you're doing. It's only and always about how you're being. Mm. 
And for people who are have no idea what we're talking about and listening, they're just like different energies of, you know, from within us and they are not associated with gender, right, Ebony? Like it's not yeah. a, like women should be this, men should be this. Like yeah. this is regardless of gender for all genders. Both energies need expression in, in all genders. So like it has nothing to do with physical gender. These are just kind of like the definitions of these opposing energies within. But I think that that is a great way to explain it, that it's not about what you're doing. It's about being. I kind of all the words that you were explaining kind of gave to me this like feeling of it's kind of like attracting and letting things radiate to you rather than chasing things, which maybe chasing is more of like the masculine and attracting is more of the feminine. So I I love that definition because I actually, that for me even like helps clarify a lot of things that do you feel like where does this fit in a patriarchal society that women are now, you know, one, like we need to be more a part of and like, what does equality look like? And I think that that is the perfect way to explain it is it has nothing to do with like how badass you are in your career or what you're doing or how you're living your life. It's just like the, almost like the energy in which you're coming from, not the actual action steps you're taking. And it can be challenging too, because especially for men, because you know, we all are off balance and we're our healthiest when we are expressing equally our female characteristics and our masculine characteristics, you know? And so men, you know, it's helpful for them to be more receptive, which is a feminine characteristic, which is why women are associated with being intuitive and people say men are not. They absolutely are. <laughs> they absolutely are um, highly intuitive, you know, especially the, the men who are allow themselves to be more receptive. Thank you for speaking on that because obviously the conversation that I'm at least a part of, not going to speak for everyone, but so often about what energies women are tapping into. And so I love that you bring up men because we don't, I think as a cultural, allow men to be in their feminine energy either, you know? So like allowing them that space to be, what is your intuition? What do you want to attract? Being able to have that feminine energy and softness and nurturing. And like, I think that that's so powerful too. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's helpful to have that reframe of like, we all need the balance. Like men should be encouraged to tap into their feminine energy, just like women should be able to express both energies as well. So thank you for bringing up the men because the men need a little something too sometimes. Yes, they do. So I had an amazing opportunity to do a reading with you before this interview. And so much of what you said like really blew my mind. It was fascinating. I know you talked a little bit about how a reading typically happens, but what can you tell us a little bit more about what someone can expect who is going to do the type of reading that you do? Sure. So, I mean, really, they just have to sit, lay on their back in Shavasana, you know, ideally, and I can tap into their energy field. And um, I will essentially be telling them what their body is carrying, you know? And so oftentimes in my readings, people will show up with an idea of the information that they want, you know, like I want I want to know this thing. And I don't have a conversation with people beforehand. I don't Google people and look them up. I, I prefer to know nothing about the person you and I had never met before our session. And so I basically, and 
sharing whatever messages the body is carrying the most strongly at that time. Did I say that right? If that makes sense, right? Which is why it's not always what the person wants to know because their mind is stuck on something else. But in their body, there's this other thing that's really dominant that you're carrying that is heavy that needs to be addressed before this other thing, you know? So um, I always, you know, just like to let people know that I prefer to go with the flow. And then at the end of the session, I will ask the person, is there anything that you want to know that I didn't address that, you know, you'd like me to tap into or get some inner, some information about? Because, you know, I do want the person to feel satisfied and they always are, but, you know, I, I definitely want to address what they want to know as well. It was like so fascinating because it was definitely not what I was expecting. I was like, I'd done like some research on the chakras. So I was thinking you'd go through the chakras, which is kind of what you did. But you started from the feet and you went from the, I forget if it was the right or left. Can you talk about like what is going on with the feet? Why do you start there? And what is the feet telling us? Oh, I love the feet. I think I'm, I have like a foot fetish for starters because I like <laughs> in general. A spiritual but, foot fetish. <laughs> I don't know. But since I accidentally learned that I could do this, I started with the feet. So, you know, the very first time in life I ever did it, I got information from someone's foot and that probably has guided me. But also because I tend to be a bit organized just in life. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to, touch your entire body. I'm going to start either high or low and then work my way down. And so I tend to start with feet. Um, also because the feet have, there's so many nerve endings that I get a lot of information um, by touching people's feet. The feet are very powerful. So I also like to start there for that reason. But usually mm. I just kind of, it depends. Sometimes I'll do like a quick scan of the person's total energy field from head to toe and, and kind of see if there's another place where I should start. But if I don't do that, I'll just automatically go to the feet and then I work my way up, you know, knees. And then I go do the seven main chakras. I'll do the temples, you know, and uh, the back of the head. So for the feet, like what do the feet tell you? Because I, I, for me, you said that one foot was like just very happy, clear energy, which I'm like, yes, go left foot. (laughs) And then the right foot was like a little more like, I I remember you said it was like a hummingbird. Like there was still a happiness to it, but it was like something really quick going on. So what, can you explain like what that means? Sure. So usually with the feet, I can pick up like the person's dominant, like overall energy, like their soul energy, right? Once I start to focus on the specific chakras, I'm getting information specific to those parts of the person's life, you know? But when I'm touching their feet, it's like I get more of a sense of the overall dominant energy of the person. Mm. And it can show up so many ways. I mean, it's what shows up in my mind's eye and what I feel is never the same thing. Everyone feels completely different, you know? And so wow. it's never the same thing twice. <laughs> yeah, the way you were explaining things it was so interesting to me because it was like typically when I've done readings in the past, even with like psychics, like they have their exact system of like, this is what I see. This is what, even like, if you would watch a show like Tyler Henry, you know, the Hollywood medium, like he has this system where he knows what symbols mean, what things mean. And for you, you were, I could very much tell that you were feeling something that you were trying to translate and that, you know what I mean? And it felt very authentic to me in that way, because it's not like, you're like, oh, you know, I've seen this before. This is what this is. It was like a, this is a feeling that I'm getting that I'm having to real time translate into a different language than it's being given to me. And I thought that was really cool. 
I love how you said that because that's exactly what is happening. It is a language, you know, like I get a feeling and then I'll get a vision and then I'll have to understand like what, what is it trying to communicate to me? Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how it happens. I don't have a, a way. I just want to be present, you know, with every person as much as I can be in every session and allow like the divine to guide me. Yeah. The other piece of it, because obviously just to give the the listener some background in, you started at my feet, which was very cool, like we talked about, and then you went up through the chakras. But the part that I was very surprised by that I did not expect was also that there was like a rib for each parent. Can you speak on this? Because this blew my mind. This And this was, you were scary accurate when you named my mom and my dad. Like this was weird. So tell the audience about this. I forgot about that. So yeah, for some reason, that's where I picked up parents. And that's also why I don't, you know, have a system and I kind of just want to be present because everyone's thing is unique to them. And we all have so much to offer, but I don't want to get on a tangent about that. So yes, I've learned years ago that I pick up parents on the rib cage. I do not know why but it it has been consistent. You know, I pick up moms on the left rib and dads on the right rib, and I can get all kinds of information about parents and the person's relationship with the parent in those places. That's so crazy. (laughs) What, like, why is that? Like, why are we carrying around energies of our parents in our rib cages? Like, do you have any understanding of why or you just like receive it and accept it? You know, I don't, it's interesting. It's in the rib cage. I don't know why it's in the rib cage. I think sometimes it depends on the practitioner, you know, and like the way, like who I am and maybe how I'm processing something that I may or may not even be conscious of, which is why I pick it up in those places. Somebody else might pick up parents in completely different places, you know, just based on our life experience. And so, um, but I think, I think, well, I know that the body is infinitely intelligent. It holds every memory from utero, every memory. And so things that are highly impactful, experiences, relationships, people, even people who are no longer in our lives because they've transitioned or the relationship has ended for whatever reason and it hasn't been healed, you know, those things show up in the body. It shows up in the body. So I think parents show up simply because you know, we are born of them physically, you know, where so so much of us comes from these two human beings, whether you know them or don't know them or have a good relationship or a bad relationship, like you would not be here without those two. Right. And so, um, it makes sense that parents would show up in the body to me for that reason. It's such a strong, powerful relationship. One of the most mind blowing things from our session did have to do with my mom, because like we had discussed, like my, I like obviously would die for my parents, love them so much. And my mom, I remember you saying, without me even saying anything, that I was like very connected to her energetically and I would like take on a lot of her energy. And so like, that was one of the most mind-blowing things. And I'm like, the fact that I clearly carry around that and that that's a part of my body, like it, it just is like one of those things that for me was like, oh my God, like it really blew my mind. So it's cool to see how the body is speaking. Cause again, it's probably like, it's, you know, for people listening that do probably know, I don't know why Tyler Henry is the only like psychic that's coming to my head, but like a, a reading quote, like reading like that, which is another fascinating thing that I obsess with and so cool, but it's very different than what you do because you are just tapping into the energy of the bodies. You're not kind of like receiving like a relative that's speaking to you, you know? So just to like clarify for people that are like brand new to any of this and, and have no idea, it is like your own body that's speaking, that that's you're receiving the information from our bodies rather than information from 
external sources like a grandparent that passed, right? Yes. And sometimes we carry those, when we carry those people, I can pick up information about them too, you know? So it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened consistently in the 10 years I've been doing this. So yeah, I can pick up, you know, I picked up someone's boyfriend. I picked up grandparents, you know, people who are living, you know? So, wow. I mean, yeah, you picked up my, both my parents very spot on and they're both living. So I (laughs) believe it. I believe it. Do you have any like crazy stories in all the years that you've been doing this? Anything that was like one of the most standout memories or stories that you've had reading people? I mean, probably the first time that I did this in life and when I didn't know I could do this, you know, I'm still blown away by that moment and all the guidance, you know, that it took for me to get there. You know, it was definitely, um, it's definitely something that I'm meant to express in this life as Ebony Banks, you know, and that first reading just really, I'm still floored. I remember every detail of it. Like with your reading, I don't remember everything, you know, with that book, but I remember absolutely everything. Sometimes I wish I could find that man because I was in a park. He was a stranger. It was a random thing, but I wish I could find him because, you know, just to check in. Wait, so did you, you felt like you saw a man in a park and like felt like an intuitive drawing to him and asked to go feel his energy or how did that work? (laughs) So, oh, so I haven't told you the story. It's a bit of a story. So I was friends with a Reiki master at the time and we had an appointment. I thought the appointment was to like have my chakras cleared or some sort of thing. And she was ready to attune me to Reiki. And so because like she prepared like for a day or two to like have the session with me, I just went with the flow and did what she was prepared to do, even though I had no interest in doing Reiki. So this is here in Brooklyn, New York City. And we, she lives near a park. We walked to Prospect Park and it's like a Saturday, you know, it's packed. It's a beautiful day. And she's praying over me and doing all these things that are attuning me to Reiki. And then this man comes over, this really tall man wearing a yarmulke, walks over and he's like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, you know, it's Reiki. He sees the paper say Reiki. He asked if I would like to practice on him. And so he lays down in the grass and I touched his feet and then all this stuff. And so I'm saying to the woman, I'm getting information. Like, should I speak what I'm feeling? You know? And she's like, yes. And so I started talking to him and he's like, how do you know this? How do you know this? And I'm like, I have no idea. I have never done this before this moment. (laughs) I mean, it it probably is no coincidence that he felt compelled to come up and talk to you, you know, like that maybe he had something he needed to receive. Yes. It was a whole story his body was telling. And it was, you know, it was definitely healing for him. But I had, it was just, it blew me away. So that's probably the most fascinating thing. Like all the steps it took. I didn't even want Reiki. I had no interest. It chose you. It yeah. Chose me. Oh my God. That is so fascinating. But wow. then from, from that, I learned. And for years I was saying, t- talking about my sessions with people, like in the early years. And I would say, oh, it's like Reiki, but I'm talking because I had not heard of the word clear tangent before. And so it took maybe like three years before I heard of clear tangent. And I was like, oh, it's, that's how I describe what I'm doing. That's why like words matter, like education matters so that people have words to put to the way that they feel. But we're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. The first one, what is a ritual or a routine that you do every morning, no matter what? Drink water. Good one. Good one. Classic. Best piece of advice you've ever received? Everything I need is inside of me. (laughs) 
I was going to say, that's a good piece of advice. That's a good piece of advice. Um, Something that anyone can do to boost their happiness in 30 seconds. Oh, remind yourself that life is loving. Mm, Life is loving. Oh, I love that. That's a good one. That's going to be one for me. I'm going to remember that one. Good affirmation. Okay. Lastly, leave our audience with any kind of book, podcast, someone you follow on Instagram, any kind of tool or resource that has changed your life. Oh, definitely Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. If you have not read it, it's a must. It's a absolute must. And also A Course in Miracles, the most beautiful Mm. book in life. (laughs) I love that. We just had another guest that just recommended that one too. I love both of those recommendations. They're amazing. Ebony, thank you so, so much for joining us and sharing all of your expertise. Where can everyone find you? And can people book readings with you if they're interested? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram at intuitive ebony writes and ebony is E-B-O-N-I. And my website is just my name, ebony, E-B-O-N-I banks.me. And you can book Claire Tangent sessions on my website. I recently took down Reiki just because I feel like so many people are doing Reiki. I wanted to offer like what's most true for me. So only Claire Tangent sessions are on there. I love that. And you are based in New York and you do in-person readings, but also virtual for people that are all over. Yes, absolutely. I just had a client in the Netherlands. So (gasps) how cool. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Ebony, thank you so much again. This was so much fun to talk to. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, Josie. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Evergirl Podcast on Instagram or theevergirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 